And welcome to another piece of the Biz Law series here on bizradio.us with Michael Palermo, business lawyer. And good to talk to you again, Michael. Good to be talking to you, Matt. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, absolutely. And, and I'm looking forward to, first, before we get into um, today's topic or, or this episode's topic that we're going to get into, um, I'm really enjoying your blog, um, all the written oh, words you. that you're putting toward the discussion about how people can better protect and prepare their business uh, when it comes to a legal standpoint. So if people haven't checked out the different blog entries that you've made, I want to encourage them to check that out. Yeah, PalermoLaw.com, Palermo Law, all one word. Um, one of one of the things, and this goes back years, is um, I'm trying to take the mystery out of what I do. There, uh, you know, in the old days, it used to be we'd, we'd speak in Latin and use a lot of big phrases so that the clients wouldn't understand what we're doing. But really, the client needs to understand what they're paying for. They're paying a lot of money for it. And this affects their business, whether for good or for bad. So I've always tried to educate my clients before I uh, sit down and draft things. It just it makes for a happier client. Well, we know that the Biz Radio team and the audience as well um, really enjoy your your insights and perspectives. So let's get today's topic going. Uh, we're going to be talking about client contract basics, and so uh, you know we'll go over some of the some of the core elements that should be in most client contracts. So uh, let's go ahead and get started right there. Talk about some of the basics about client contracts. So first thing we're going to talk about before we get into the four elements are applicable use. Um, every transaction you have where somebody gives you something and you hand them money in exchange, that's a contract. So you go to a sandwich shop and you order a turkey with cheese and lettuce and tomato, and then you hand them money. That's a contract. You really don't need a four-page typewritten lawyer-drafted contract for that. So what we're talking about today is sort of the mid-level business uh, that's doing maybe a customized work, customized software drafting, customized construction for the client. And you want to get in writing these four elements that we're going to talk about so that everybody knows uh, what to expect. Better to do it beforehand than to argue about it afterwards. So the applicable use for these contracts are going to be um, sort of uh, customized uh business-to-business sort of use. So um, when we talk about, you know, customized to business and everything, I know there's some people that are like, oh, no, I'm a handshake business. You know, we don't need paperwork. I've had people actually tell me that when trying to do business <laughs> and everything. What's your yeah. response before we get into the four core elements, just talking about types of businesses and the, the importance of contracts, how do, you, how do you address that attitude or that objection to written contracts? My response is I wish them the best because they're just not going to be a good client for me. Um, I'm not in the business of convincing people that they they need lawyer work. I will educate them, as I said. And then hopefully the education, uh, you know, usually when I do educate them, a light goes off. You're like, oh, I had a problem like that a couple of years ago and yeah. wound up paying 10000 in legal fees. And, it, and it's really, um, you know, it, a stitch in time saves nine if you, if you do it earlier and do it correctly, you'll save that 10000 in legal fees. And then you'll have just a little bit more peace of mind. But, you know, if people want to do a handshake, they can do a handshake. It's not not my business to run. Well, and, and I would say to people that have that objection, you know, as – as a person, this this business I've had for what, 13 years now, and I published a newspaper for years before that. Um, I'm a handshake kind of guy, but even I don't do business on handshakes. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because I've been through bad situations of he said, she said, or people, you know, uh, getting confused about things. It's not even always sinister. It's just misunderstanding. You get rid of that tension and, and those those line those uh, minefields by getting it all in writing at the front end. All right, so let's talk about the first element about uh, client contract basics, which gets us to that sort of peace of mind. Um, scope of work. What what are you giving them or what are they giving you in exchange for the money? And I'm a real scope of work guy because after 30 years of doing this, most of the disagreements, most of the lawsuits arise from scope of work. Uh, scope of work is just a description of here's here's what you're going to get when this contract is done. Uh, you know, you're going to have a two-story, three-bedroom house that looks like this, scope of work. It, it's architectural plans. It's engineering drawings. It's if I need you to design some custom software for me, what are the specifications of that custom software? What's it going to do? What's the capacity going to be? Um, I just met with a guy this morning that he he designs uh, cloud, cloud storage systems. So there's a question of um, how much data storage will the client be getting? What's the accessibility of it? Uh, downtime, up, downtime, uptime. Uh, these can all be defined, and they can be defined fairly specifically. So scope of work uh, between the two entities, that way everybody knows, you know, when the contract's over and the money's paid, did you get what you're paying for? Did I, did I get that turkey sub with cheese and lettuce and tomato on it? Uh, that's scope of work. It's literally telling him what you want on your turkey sub. Is this where you would also include, um, you know, like here are the different things, but if it goes beyond this, this is the process or how pricing will work out. Is this where you would include something like that? That's called a change order. And absolutely. Um, again, I met with a guy this morning that we went over all four of these because he's he's actually coming out of big corporate work. He's never had to actually ask somebody, you know, for money. He's just, mm -hmm. you know, do the work and the paycheck show up. So he's, he's going out independent contractor and... Yeah, uh, you know, we we thought we needed 30 gigabytes, but it turns out we needed 75 gigabytes. Well, that's a change in the scope of work. It does affect the price. It does affect the deliverable. What I do is I build into my contracts. It's called a change order, and that goes back years. Uh, it, it's an old uh, construction term. Um, and it could be something simple like, um, you know what, I, I, I don't want lettuce on that. I want you to put on spinach on my submarine sandwich my turkey sandwich that's a change order uh and it's real simple you just you i put in the contract change orders have to be agreed to by the parties uh if it changes the scope of work we'll say it changes the scope of work and if it changes the cost of the project we'll have to agree on the cost yeah. you know deli delivering 75 gigabytes of, of data versus 76 gigabytes of data that might not be a huge cost change and the contractor may just choose not to even bring it up. Like, all right, you know, don't worry about it. It's yeah. an extra gigabyte. Well, Who an cares? example, like in my business here with, with Biz Radio, um, you know, if you're an advertiser, you have this many ad changes you can make in a month. If you go right. above and beyond that, there's extra production costs and we'll work that out as we go. But right. um, again, that's lesson learned <laughs> over the years. Yeah. All of a sudden and, you got somebody that's paying the same price as somebody who does two ads in a month versus yeah. somebody that has, wants 15. That's a, that's a big change in the scope of work. And, and you're able to pre-design that, and that's yeah. that's more of a, a a menu type change order where he, here's here's what I can give you, and here's what it's going to cost for these various options. A lot of times with with tech or with construction or manufacturing, um, you don't know what the change might be. Right. It, it may be it may be that you know you decide instead of three thousand parts uh, stamped out, you need 
30,000 because you get a big order in the meantime. That's a big change order, but you don't, you can't anticipate that. And so what, what I do is it's just include a generic, you know, if there's a change, we all got to get together and talk like grownups, talk about the cost of the change. And that can go in either direction. It could be a, it could be a downgrade in price. It could be yeah. an upgrade in price. All right. Let's go on to the next element then, um, payment. Payment. Anybody that's heard me speak publicly about uh, uh, law in general, business law in general, knows my number one mantra is figure out how to get paid. Besides scope of work, the number two, number one and number two problems I've seen in 30 years is somebody just doesn't get paid or they don't get paid what they thought they were going to get. And, you know, going back to the handshake, I'll pay you 500 bucks. Okay, here's, you know, here's the three, here's $300 that I agreed to pay you. Now you've got a dispute. So in a contract, we wanted to find very clearly how much the contract or contractee, depending, is getting paid and how that payment will be made. Will it be invoiced at the end of the month payment in 30 days? Very common. Um, I had a nice conversation about retainers this morning with, with that client. Uh, he had never heard of a retainer. Again, he'd never had to actually send out an invoice. And he's been doing this, you know, 20 years, tech stuff. Mm. So for me, I like retainers if it's available, if that's an industry thing. A retainer just means that the client pays money in advance. That money sits there on the table or in the bank account until it's earned. So lawyers are huge on retainers. If, if someone asks me, hey, Mike, I need you to do 40 hours of work, I'm gonna, by the end of the month, I'm going to tell them, look, that's a lot of work you're asking me to commit to. It's a huge, uh, if you don't pay me, that's a lot of money and that's a lot of time that I'm getting jacked out of. I want to make sure I'm getting paid. So I'll tell them, you know what? Give me 3000 up front. I will keep that money separate from my own money. It'll still be your money in case you want it back. But once I earn it, once that invoice goes out, I will pay myself from that pile of money. And then there's variations you can do with, you can get an initial retainer up front. You can bill against the retainer. It could be a non-refundable retainer. Um, if, if you trust your client, which I do for the most part in Nashville, you can just tell them, um, you know, I'll invoice you at the end of the month, pay me within 30 days. If you don't pay me, I'm going to stop working on your project. But, um, you know, there's various ways to get paid. You can get a credit card. You can get, you can get that money up front. Um, all different in construction, you can actually get a construction bond, which guarantees payment. So there's a lot of ways to get paid, but figure out how to get paid and make sure it's in the contract. So everybody knows how you're getting paid. Yeah. And, you know, in, in full transparency and to aid along the conversation, the way that I do it here is for new clients, the first month is paid in advance of their advertising. And it's basically like you talked about retainer. They're not going to be invoiced when it kicks off. You know, when they right. contract, they pay the first month. And then once they're established, that's fine and everything. But one of the reasons for that is, you know, having, you know, a lot of experience with where there's times do a lot of work and you say we're going to invoice, but then there's not payment, you know. And so right. it, it's kind of one of those things where um, I've, I've been told that contracts aren't, you know, they aren't set in stone unless there's been money that changes hands, especially if it's a multiple month contract. And right. so it's another reason for an independent contractor or something, if you're going to be doing ongoing work with someone, you know, putting in the terms of the payment in that contract, first month is paid upon signing and then invoiced monthly or quarterly, whatever your business deal is, but having that right. in writing, the expectation right from the start. What I, I call it sincerity money. Uh, make sure they're sincere and that they're, that they are going to pay you. And retainers are, are, are a great thing for that. I, I can't tell you how many times back in Chicago and uh, not to pick on construction contractors, but that's just the industry. They would ask me to do this huge project and I'd say, you know, I'm going to need 5,000 in my retainer account. 
And then they say, okay, let me get back to you. And I never hear from them again. Um, the lesson is if, if they're not willing to pay you 3000 now in advance of your work, they might not be willing to cut you a check for $3,000 two weeks from now when your invoice goes out in the mail. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of a sincerity check. It's, it's a way to make sure that if you commit a whole bunch of time right off the bat on signing the contract that you're getting paid. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of retainers when they're appropriate. Yeah. Um, next item, uh, we've already talked about scope of work. We've talked about payment. And this is something that you've done an entire episode on um, in the Biz Law series, but right. warranties. Uh, in in the context of contracts with clients, warranties, war warranty limitations, those kind of things. Talk about that. And I'm I'm going to use uh, the auto analogy because everybody's familiar with the the 12 year 12,000 mile limited warranty on the car. So there's there's a lot to unpack just from that one section. But a warranty, a guarantee, they're sort of the same thing. It's uh, are you standing by your work, which we all do. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Biz Radio. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what's the extent that you stand by your work? And we can, we can limit that extent. We can limit the exposure to liability contractually. So, for example, this client today that's doing uh, the cloud services, it doesn't matter to him what sort of data is being manipulated by the client. So if, he's keeping, if the client is keeping track of – it runs a daycare, a series of daycare um, centers – and they're keeping track of the kids' birthdays so they can do birthday emails and order balloons and stuff. That's really innocuous data. But he doesn't really care. He, he just wants to provide what they're asking, which is the data storage, the transfer uh, of the data, the ability to manipulate the data. On the other hand, if the client is running an air traffic control network, there's huge liability if that network goes down or if something goes bad with it. Huge liability. Even if it's down for three hours, I think it was uh, one of the airlines was was out yesterday for about three hours because they had a computer programming problem. Mm. The guy that programmed it or that supplied the data doesn't necessarily want to be liable for that you know, $50 million in liability. So we limit the liability. Uh, the guarantee that my client is giving on that particular one is that he's going to provide what the client asked him to provide data storage uh you know transfer rates uh certain uh, custom drafted programs he's not going to guarantee a result or that it's going to be fit for the client's use that's up it's up to the client to give him the specifications that work for their use hmm. so that's that's the warranty he's warranting that he's going to deliver just what's in the scope of work and again that gets us back to the very most important thing what's the scope of work um, when you buy a car, you're buying, you're buying a, a Chevy Corvette. Uh, you know what you're getting. The scope of work is you're getting a Chevy Corvette. The warranty is if it breaks, and this is the remedy limitation, if it breaks, we'll fix it or we'll replace the part. And that's the warranty. That's what you're limited to. You're not limited to, well, I, I bought this Corvette because I was going to resell it and, you know, run it in parades and make all this money on the resale. They don't, they don't guarantee that. They don't right. care what you do with the car. All right, final um, item in, in our um, client contract basics here, and it's often the most difficult one to address as a small business, um, and that is collection in the event of a breach. If you've done scope of work, uh, how to get paid, and the warranties effectively, uh, you really don't even need this. Uh, and again, I, I can do it. You can pay me a lot of money to do it right in the first place or a lot of money to fix it down the road. Uh, it, I, I rarely come to this point. It, 
in, in uh, contract disputes. But you know, what happens if you have to sue them for the money? Where are you going to sue them? Especially everything's international, multi-state these days. So if you do have to sue them for the money, uh, where is it going to take place? Well, I, I say Buncombe County or Cook County if I'm working up in Chicago because that's where my clients are. You want to be the hometown the hometown guy. You don't want to have to go to Spokane to, to file a lawsuit for $3,000. It's not worth the time, money, and effort. Um, by the same token, if you do have to sue them and it, you know there's no reason for them not paying you other than they're unscrupulous, you don't want to have to pay my fees. We, we put an attorney fees provision where they have to pay my fees. Mm -hmm. And then finally, there's a thing called prejudgment interest, which is 8% statutory. It's actually pretty good. So if it takes you two years to get through the lawsuit and they owe you 10000 bucks, you, you earn interest on that. Mm -hmm. And that's all. That's in the contract. That's the four things that I like to see in most client contracts. And, and I have found the interest side because as, as a family business, you know, Biz Radio is an independent family business, you know, radio station. And so the idea of bringing people to claims courts or something like that is not attractive. But interest has been something if someone goes 30, 60 days or anything, well, you start accruing some interest on the balance. And that's usually, you know, it's it's a fair way to um, give some flexibility to people that might be having a hard time paying a bill without uh, ruining relationships by going into courts. <laughs> yeah. Know. Plus it'll get their attention. And then, um, yes, and, and it does start to compound after a little while. Um, but yeah, so um, tell people again, best way to get in touch with you if they want to have this conversation in a more professional setting and manner to go ahead and, and really lock down some, some you know good, strong paperwork in their business. What's the best way to contact you? Website is palermolaw.com. Uh, there should be a contact me on the website, yep. or my email is simply palermo at palermolaw.com. All That's right. the best way to get in touch with me. And if you're listening on the station right now, um, there's a little home icon that you're listening to. You can see a little home icon on there. If you click that, it'll take you over to Michael's website as well. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it as always. You're welcome, Matt.